0: Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergie Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated to cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include a desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if three to one is right for you. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 257. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson.
1: Hello, for my last podcast from Nova Scotia, probably.
0: Maybe. Uh, yes. Going to the evil empire that is Ontario. Yes. To the Uh-oh.
1: headquarters of the evil empire of Ontario. <gasps> That's Toronto. Which is not, which is not Toronto. It's not. It's actually Ottawa. But anyway.
0: No, no, that's the evil, That's the headquarters for the evil empire of Canada.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I
0: suppose, I suppose. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's still better. One capital city in Ontario that never called in the army to shovel. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Matt is still deployed with Op Impact, and he's going to be gone well into next season. So um, he sends his regards to everyone. Uh, I just want to welcome everyone to the show, and thank you for coming. Uh, this This episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the draft, world championships, touch on free agency a little bit, because there's some news coming out of that. Uh, but first, as the host of Habs Unfiltered, I would like to welcome to Canada, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, they're doing their tour across Canada and our future king is checking out his kingdom. So if you're not, if you're a monarchist, you're excited. If you're not, you're kind of meh.
1: Sure. I, I don't mind the monarchy and I don't not mind the monarchy. I don't care one way or the other.
0: Yep. Um, it, it, our American listeners, if you're wondering, it's true. Canada is a monarchy. We're just, you know, we share a king and queen with England. Anyway, moving on. Canadians' news: Carey Price has been nominated for the Masterton, Masterton Trophy for dedication to the game. Um, coming back from his injury and playing those six games, playing in those games, uh, was it five six? Um, got him this nod. So. Craig what do you think? I sorry I missed that. Uh, <laughs> what you said there. <laughs> Talking about the masterton.
1: Oh yeah yeah. Uh uh no my daughter is looking for a babysitter. Um, <laughs> uh I think uh it's, it's I think it's a perfect nod. price uh is, is a good candidate for it, uh what he had to go through uh to get where he is now not only with the injuries but uh, admitting he had an issue with the uh, I believe opiates It never really came out and said what he had an issue with, but, um, and going into the rehab program and dealing with his injury and doing everything he can to come back, coming back. I know people argue he didn't play enough games, uh, but Saku Koivo only played three games when he came back from his cancer and he ended up winning the Masterson that year. Mind you, it's a different a little cancer and what Price went through a little bit different, but, uh, but I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good, uh, Good nominee. He's a good nominee for it. All three were good nominees
0: uh, for the Masterson. So are you saying that people are complaining that his nomination to an award does not not meet the spirit of the award, even though technically he meets the requirements of it?
1: (laughs) I know where you're going with this.
0: Mm -hmm. That's right. (laughs) And I know exactly who's arguing this. It's the same people who think Michael Bunting, my grandfather, could win the rookie of the year.
1: Uh listen, uh the the spirit of the ward of the mastin is overcoming and uh, uh I'm, I'm paraphrasing because i don't know the exact yeah. but overcoming and 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 getting back to hockey after, you know, a rough period or overcoming special odds to get back into the game. And There's no minimum game requirement. No, there's not. I mean, you could come back for one game as long as you came back. I know uh, some people, uh, some Montreal fans I've read say maybe he should be nominated for this next year if he comes back. Um, That's kind of a valid argument considering he may not, this may continue into next year. Uh, But he did come back for four games this year. And I would say four games, yeah, four games this year. And I would say three of them, he didn't play that, no, five games this year. And for three of them, he didn't play that bad. He actually played quite well. His first two losses in the last game of the season, I thought he played well. Um, But he had swelling on the knee, and he needs to go get that checked out. Um, So, I mean, if you look at Kevin Hayes and uh, the third one is – who is the third one? Uh, Kevin Hayes, Price, and – I have to look it up anyway uh you look at the other two guys and i don't think they've overcome as much as price had to in order to return to the game um or their issues I, maybe i'm a bit biased because I'm a, I'm a habs fan but uh, that's the way i look at it uh but to argue that he didn't meet the requirements is totally wrong because he met all the requirements or else he wouldn't have been nominated just like michael bunting even though he's played like 12 pro years um met all the requirements for the nhl he played under 25 games in a season didn't play any more than what 30 overall or whatever it is and he's under the age well he's 26 and under which uh yes the sergey makarov rule so uh so yeah so if you're going to complain about him not meeting requirements then you have to complain about bunting and the way he met the
0: requirements so pretty much that's kind I mean, of the Morris, point i was trying to make
1: yeah more outsiders went in the calder regardless so oh happen. god
0: hands down hands down you got a right you got a defenseman in his first year of the nhl putting up 50 points
1: yeah on a mediocre team
0: yeah and being a main leader he's the yeah. top pair defenseman eating all the minutes he you know <clears throat> there's a there's a a degree of difficulty that's given to the the defensemen that do this. Yeah. It's a little higher than the forwards, especially the wingers.
1: And they're playing with superstar players, but anyway, regardless. And he's not. No, nope. he put almost as many points, well, Bunting had what 60 some odd points, so he he had 50 some odd points, Bunting 60. He was like 10 points behind playing with no stars or no superstars or elite players like like Matthews and did it as a defenseman. So if he doesn't get it yep. there's a there's something going on in the nhl anyway
0: yeah you know star power doesn't get you through sorry He's... hey they were
1: they were first round finalists you can't argue with that if you don't win the cup it doesn't matter at least that's the argument i heard right up until the first round <laughs> the end of the first round
0: yeah <laughs> And then it went quiet. It's been so nice. So, so nice. Uh, all right. So we'll move on from that. And uh, we'll just jump right in uh, the draft. Everybody knows Montreal's won the lottery. They can choose Shane Wright or not. We covered this in the last episode. We would, or at least we think the Canadians will. Um, but there's there's more to it what do you have to add to this discussion
1: well a lot of people are looking at Shane Wright and saying he hadn't had a complete season he wasn't he wasn't dominant in his uh in his season and sure I mean he had 94 points in 63 games I think that's that's not dominant I mean he didn't pull a Connor McDavid and score 140 or a Gee Carboneau back in his Quebec major junior with, with 200 and some odd points but uh um, he still played well for a guy who had a year off and missed a lot of the year before with an injury, 94.63 games is pretty good. considering he didn't really have anyone to play with. And uh, his coach had a, 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 a lot to say about that. And I'll bring it up here. Cause I tweeted it. Um, his coach had a lot to say about that, saying that he purposely put him with the younger guys at the start of the season for him to guide them along and uh, he create he made them better players with them playing with him, and to me, I think that speaks volumes as to what type of player uh, Shane Wright really is. Regardless, if you think he didn't have a great year or he didn't dominate or he is a uh, question mark at number one, I mean, let's be honest: there's no generational talent in this draft. No uh i would even go to say there's probably no elite superstar like no one's going to come out being an 80 to 100 point 60 goal score i don't think in this draft i don't think i mean we don't know who knows could be a dasuk in round four i but don't the know.
0: expectation is maybe a the 40 goal guy maybe an 80 point guy
1: and my expectation on shane Wright is to follow the same path as uh, nick suzuki i don't see nick suzuki as a hundred point guy i see him as a 70 at high 80 point guy at a high, and that's based on his stats under Martin St. Louis. Because under Martin St. Louis, he would be an 80 point guy. So would Cole Caulfield, if you really want to get down and dirty about it, at one point Caulfield was a hundred point guy under Martin St. Louis. But let's be honest, uh, and that's and and that's over 30 games. So that's a pretty. That's not a small sample. That's a pretty quarter of the se- over a quarter of the season a standard so you could almost sit there and say 70 80 points under the right coach for Nick Suzuki and or Cole Caulfield is pretty plausible plausible 40 40 goals for Caulfield's plausible
0: and with Suzuki being a 70 point guy that's fine he plays all situations and he does it Mm -hmm. against top opposition so correct you want a guy who puts up 80 to 90 points but can't take on those responsibilities or do you want a 70 point guy you can rely on in any situation
1: patrice bergeron patrice bergeron hit over 80 points once in his career once i think it was 96 is what he got i think and he's going to the hall of fame and he's a 60 to 70 point guy but his 200 foot game was amazing he played in every situation kill penalties power play five on five and you're right absolutely right he's going to the hall of fame and we're going to get into a little bit about bergeron later but uh if you look at Shane Wright in the same aspects as Nick Suzuki, then you're getting exactly what you're drafting. He's not going to get you 100 points. He's not going to get you a 40 to 50. Well, you don't expect him. To. I don't expect him to. I expect him to, at some point, maybe not right away, not in season one, or maybe even season two, like Nick Suzuki. I expect him to start hitting that 70 to 80 points, maybe year three or four, like what I expect next year, Suzuki's should. I mean, even if Suzuki gets 65 to 70 points, I call that a success because he's increasing every year. He's getting better every year. Uh, his two-way game is getting better every year. Uh, and uh, if Shane Wright can do the same thing, then I think you picked the right player. You, you, you definitely picked the right player. And if you're not sure, like a lot of people with uh, a certain former scouts saying uh, Swabovski, should be the number one guy now he never said he should be the number one guy but if you know yeah, he tweets, has him
0: number one yeah, on his he list. has a number
1: one on his list uh and if you go to elite prospects that's the only list that doesn't have that number one but he's not listed on elite prospects but um Slavosky is a winger so if you want to choose between a winger and a center if it's that close yeah always take the center you always take the center
0: now on right uh you you'd mentioned the coach's comments where he was placed with the younger guys to help guide them along. That went until about a little bit after he got back from uh, the world juniors. Correct. So during that time he was putting up about a 1.2 points per game kind of pace. So not bad. He was covering all the bases. He was playing in the defense. He was playing, you know, penalty kill, power play. And he was putting up 1.2 points per game, which is solid offensive numbers. Once he came back and he was placed with some veterans where he did not have to rely on, he wasn't the only player to be relied on for defense. His numbers jumped to 1.6 points per game.
1: Yeah. And by the end of the season, he was 1.48 is what he finished. Overall. Overall,
0: And that is in his second OHL season, which matches almost exactly the points per game Nick Suzuki put up in Correct. his third.
1: It puts him eighth overall in this draft year. Um, I believe Brian Wild put out a chart with OHL players in their draft year. Yeah. And, and I believe he was eighth or ninth. He was in the top 10. Anyway, him and Suzuki were right next to each other in around the yep. top 10, unless unless the graph, unless it was broken up and they did, they did just to show them. But uh the next the next guy was 1.61. I can't remember who it was. Um, but the exact quote from Caputi—Caputi uh, is Caputi, that his name? Caputi, the coach of uh, Kingston. Anyway, uh, he says, "I was playing." This is what he said: They weren't necessarily at the same strength level or pace, and he was helping them get points. As the season progressed, those younger kids found their game, and we put our older players in a cluster, and that's when his production production took off. No one understands how Matthew Soto and Paul Lewinsky got off to a good start. That's the two rookies that he put uh, right with. It's because they're playing with Shane Wright every night. These are the things people don't know unless they asked. And credit to Shane, he just put his work boots on to help our team win, and he never complained. So even though he could have been playing with these veteran guys, uh, Martin uh, Komarek and Zad, and Zade Wis- uh, Wisdom, who were his two line mates after he came back, he didn't complain. He just went out and did his job, the best to his ability. Now, a lot of people think he takes nights off or he skates around or he looks like he's not engaged. Again, Nick Suzuki was the same way in his, in, 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 when he played in the Ontario Hockey League. And that was one of the reasons why Montreal decided to keep him in the CHL for another year to work on, work on different parts of his game. Um, so, Bergeron, that, me, was a, that
0: was a knock on Bergeron too when he first got into the league. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I, I don't know that for a fact, but... Uh,
0: uh, he wasn't uh, though. He was, he was good pretty much right away. It's just yeah. the way they play the game. They're not going full sprint, the entire time they're on the ice they're calculating they're anticipating so they're putting themselves in the positions based on they're reading the plays moving to the positions where the play is going to go to so it looks like they're not engaged but in reality they're they're positional players they're they they're, uh, their iq is so high that they can read the plays as they come oh so you're saying they have a high iq and they know when
1: they really got to push their limits and when they don't yes which is to me smart hockey because if you're going to play 20 plus minutes a game, you need to conserve a lot of your time because you're going to play on the power play, you're going to play on the penalty kill. You're not taking time off like some other players do on the PK because you're not part of the PK team. You are part of the PK team, so you've got to be out there for that PK. Um, and yeah. I mean, and I'm not knocking Cooley or Silvasky or either one no, of them. No, no. Could, so could just to finish off, advantages.
0: Yeah. So just to finish off with right. This was his second OHL season. In his first OHL season, he put up 1.16 points per game. As a 15-year-old, now as a 17-year-old in his second season, he put up 1.6 points per game, which is a nice jump. And he's the, he was given the captaincy. And as you, you mentioned, his coach had placed him in a role to play defensively to cover off rookies. So yeah, he sacrificed points for the team but he still put and, up a ton of points and he pushed these rookies along and he helped them with their game
1: and he helped develop these rookies at That's the right. OHL level. That's right. So what more can you ask for from a number one or number two center? Really? Cause I mean, if he's going to be similar to Nick Suzuki, well then Montreal just hit the jackpot on their one and two centers.
0: Yeah. One A1B centers uh, in yeah. the future. If they yeah. pick right, which I if they, they pick are.
1: right. And no, I'm if... pretty sure. It, but
0: yeah. But with and with Slavosky, um he's been playing pro in Europe. He's not getting you know top six, six ice time, and his offense is kind of okay.
1: He's not consistent after the after the Olympics. He got some top six ice time yeah. uh, after he came back. But he again, I'm not knocking Slavoski. He is in a tougher league than I would say Shane Wrightson. He's yep. playing with adults. He's playing with men. He's in a men's pro league. Uh, but he had what ten points in thirty three games, I think, playing at the at the pro league at the he had 18 points and 12 standards for Finland I guess um I'm thinking i don't I don't know how they work over there but uh but then he got boosted up because he was playing so well in the, in the in the minor one there he got boosted up and it's, he didn't look out of place he has a big body he has an NHL ready body oh yeah uh, uh he didn't look out of place he didn't look bad he wasn't uh you know but he just didn't have the production uh playing against the adults are playing against the men, I guess you could say. Um, and then if you look at the Olympics and now you look at the world championship, which again, well, we're going to get just into. Just look at
0: the Olympics first. I want at, to make a contrast. Okay.
1: Uh, when you look at the Olympics, yeah, he dominated and he scored, I think five goals in his first seven. two or three, He's seven overall, but he scored yeah. five of those, I think in the first two games, because I think he had a hat trick in the first game and then two goals in the next one. And I'm not taking away from you've only played seven games. So um uh, but was the uh, was the competition of the Olympics as high as say Finland's league,
0: league team? I would say it was about. The, the question. Same. I would say it's about the same as the Liga because they were like a Champions Hockey League. Hmm. That's the level I would have expected at because a lot of teams like Team USA were sending NCAA players. Sean Farrell, for instance. Yeah. um, but when you get to the worlds, you look at the lineups in the world championships. There's These a lot are, of NHL players. That's right. So now watching him in the worlds, uh, he's got two points. He's minus two, uh, minus two. He got both points in one game against weak opposition, a team that had the uh, zero NHLers. And in games where he was playing against the NHLers, he was wildly inconsistent, and he just did, he wasn't. He didn't look like he was in place i'm not saying that he's bad he's a bad player i'm just saying that no just because he's big doesn't mean he's ready for that leap and i i think he might be a guy that you wait another year and then he'll be ready but i personally it, think
1: anyone you draft yeah you could almost wait another year to see
0: in this if draft in, a, sure.
1: in this draft uh, but uh again going back to the olymp or to the world championships there Against Canada in the first period, he looked really good. Yeah, uh, okay. he, no, he, he looked he made pretty a couple good. Of plays, but then as the game went on, he only played eleven minutes. But as the yeah. game went on, he he was losing board battles. Uh, it's almost like people are like, "Okay, I see what this guy's game is. Now I know how to I know how to beat him now." Uh, yeah. And there is nothing wrong with that. He's eighteen, and he's still learning the game. So. Again, it sounds like we're shitting on the guy, but I'm just—he
0: needs. As of right time. now,
1: as of right now, on social media, there's this big hype on Savolsky and this big breakdown on Wright. And I'm trying to write that ship. Huh, see, see what I said there, um, uh, because I think Wright is the number one pick. You can't go wrong picking Wright, if that makes any sense. If you pick Shane Wright and he doesn't work out, no one's going to sit there and say, you made the wrong pick. Two wrongs don't make a right. Oh, it just didn't work out. But now if you pick Cooley or Savlosky or Jack Hughes or Nemec or Yerichik or however you say the other guy's name, and they don't work out, then they go, well, you could have picked right and you didn't. You screwed that up. You understand so, what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no no way to lose picking right at first. There's no way to lose. Well, there is. So, with so not work out.
0: But. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't know. I don't think he won't work out. Canadians are rebuilding their development program. They're, they've got an analytics team now. They're going to be using that towards his development. He's more than likely going to play another year in junior just because he's only had the two seasons. Uh, so, yeah. And, and when it comes to Slavoski just to finish off my thoughts on him he's a guy who could step into the NHL right now but he would have problems because he's used to playing against much smaller competition he uses his big frame he just barrels through people in the NHL he won't be able to do that so he's going to have to change his approach slightly and that'll take him a year to to really get under his belt like you look at uh, Alexander Holtz with the with the new jersey devils he was probably the best goal scorer in last season's draft and he went straight to the ahl because he needed to get used to that north american style and that's what's going to happen i think with slavoski he can come over he can play in the ahl for a year and then the next year you got yourself a top six power forward
1: yep. and, and that that to reiterate him spending a year in the AHL, any of them, Cooley. I mean, we haven't really talked about Cooley. He's the third guy that uh, he's going to the NCAA. He's, he's, he's a long going to be long-term. Yeah. You, you drafted him. You're looking at two or three years down the road, him being two. on the team. Uh, cause he's already said he's going to the NCAA next year. Uh, he could decide to stay all four years in the NCAA. Then you're really, cause it's his first is next year is the NCAA. Then you're really
0: looking long-term. I don't know. If Cooley will do that though um don't forget the panic that uh, the buffalo sabers fans had last year with Owen Power with Owen what power. if he
1: stays and becomes a UFA well the panic the Montreal Canadiens have with Jordan Harris same thing yeah uh but uh I believe like I say rights the pick whether you want it to be or not um Kent Hughes is scouting over at the world championship he was at the Canada uh Slovakia Slovakia that's yep. where uh, yeah Slovakia yep, game uh but uh, he could have been looking at Nemec too you're not a good gm if you're not looking at at least the top 10 picks in the draft at least giving them a look
0: at least because uh what if you want to trade up and get another pick is it worth it you know gm wants to take a look
1: i don't see there there is a thing going around about how they could trade arizona for arizona's next year pick
0: that was Jeff uh, Merrick. We talked about that last week. Yeah, I don't yeah think we talked about that eight. last
1: week. Uh, that's not going to happen. I don't see them trading back so
0: far that they're drafting eighth, ninth, or tenth. No. Um, I see them trading up though, maybe to twelve I see the them, most.
1: I can see them taking that twenty seventh pick as it stands right now, and that thirty third pick, and maybe trying to get a top fifteen. Yeah, uh, so you're maybe not going to not gonna get a top ten. You're not going to get a top ten, but you'll get a top fifteen. Uh, so, you really got to scout those guys. I mean, unless they really want Jack Hughes at 27 or 33. Knows how I'm or saying Owen, Jack Hughes a lot. Yeah. Or Owen <laughs> Beck or Ryan Chesney. Or Owen Beck know. or someone like that. But, you uh, and, uh, you know, I like uh, Dumo from Halifax, but he's a bit on the small side. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's 5'10. Um,
0: yeah. Nathan Goucher, the Nathan uh, Mike Goucher Bossy Award winner name. for uh, the top prospect in the queue. I have him fourth on my queue uh, list. Uh, for prospects i have luno at the top but um yeah there's there's good quality players at the end of the first round and early second round
1: but there's also good quality players from 10 to 15 and as a matter of fact marco domico says from 10 to 15 is probably where you're going to get really good players
0: yeah Um, and everyone is talking about weak draft so you're not going to ask for the the moon for these uh, for these uh picks so and not to mention the Canadians have so many prospects and so many picks use them trade up yeah.
1: add and more it's, quality it's something Bergeron never did Bergeron Bergeron Bergevin, Bergeron 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 hoarded all his picks yeah and he would trade his seventh for Philadelphia's seventh for some reason I don't know why they did that every year they did that um but they were
0: doing that shotgun method where they were they were going for uh, quality quantity and they were hoping to hit get the target on and the last three
1: years years, it's worked it's worked to be honest however they could have got quality by grabbing two of those 12 second round picks that they had every year and getting a late first round pick or they could you know what i mean like they could have jump, like when they got Caulfield at 15, they could have said, geez, we can get another really good guy at 23, but we're going to have to give up, you know, 34 and 38 or whatever. You know what I mean? All right, let's do it. You know, who can we get at 23? And then you have two guys who are maybe closer to being ready instead of two guys who are ifs. I mean, everyone drafted is an if from first to 173. They're all ifs, but you have less of an if, the higher you draft. so um, And the,
0: um, the potential ceiling is much higher. You look at can, the Canadian system, they don't have like a top line center in the, in the pipeline. Shane Wright would be able to fit that role. Uh, they don't have a true number one defenseman in their system. Like, it, yeah, I, I know we go on about Gouley, but he's more of a two, three than he is a say, true number
1: one to me a true number one is a I'm going to say Andre Markov like player he's a guy who can score you 40 to 50 points a season but he's also going to be very good in his own zone very good defensively so Petrie's going to get your 40 points but Petrie's hit or miss in his own zone he can he can yeah. play like Ray Bork or he can play like Phil Bork in his own zone it depends on the night Andre Markov was consistent at both ends of the ice Shea Weber Shea Weber, exactly. That is, a, that is a number one type guy. The only thing about Shea Weber was he didn't have the offensive flair of a Carl, of a Makar or, or Morgan Riley or a, you know what I mean? Even though Morgan Riley to me is not a true number one because he doesn't play very good yeah. in his own zone. McCarr, um, however, is. McCarr or Adam Fox or Owen Power looks like he's going to be a good number one. You'll, see,
0: like, You'll that's, see. That's the yeah. level of player I'm
1: talking about. And uh, nothing against Gouley, but Gooley is going to be
0: a Shane Weber type player without the points. He's the kind of player that you can rely on to eat up those minutes and compare up with a guy like that. And you mm-hmm. wouldn't have to worry. There's a guy who's going to be in your uniform for 15 years and you can set your watch to the reliability. That's what's the expectation.
1: Now I bring this up a
0: lot and
1: I get heat for it sometimes, but Logan Mayu could be that number one guy.
0: Uh, Maybe he has.
1: I have to see another year because he was hurt this year. I'd have to see him another year, make sure all his other demons are settled and taken care of. Yeah. Um, But give him another year in uh, London. Yep. uh, He has very good coaches down there. Give him another. From what I've seen in his nine games, he was responsible defensively, and he had lights out offense. That's the type of player I mean. Whether he grows to be that in the NHL, who the hell knows? But that type of pro, that they need a type of prospect like yeah. that that doesn't have all the baggage. How does that sound?
0: True. And on Logan Mayu, just to give you an idea of what uh, the coaching staffs that he has worked with think of him. When he was about to return to the OHL after suspension, they traded away their top-pairing right-handed defenseman, Ben Rogers, to open that spot for Mayu to step into immediately. So that tells you right away the the skill level that he has.
1: Yeah, And whether, like I say, whether that you're always going to go, is that going to be at the NHL style? A guy with that much skill yeah. is not going to be terrible at the NHL, but he may not have may not be the same guy at the nhl as he is there logan i think logan's biggest issue is his other stuff so that that's that's and i think that's the management's biggest issue and i don't see them getting rid of him but i see them taking a very being very very patient with him now
0: if the canadians were to trade up to say 12 to 15 who would be the prospect you would target oh
1: now i gotta look at my list (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now that's i gotta look it. at my list hold me on here need you here. look, need to look. You, you, you could have uh gave me a heads up on this one
0: oh well, that's um, no fun
1: let me see here you know what i'll go into the hockey writers list too to see
0: who they have there yes do check out the hockey writers yeah. draft list um
1: i like yurov but i think he's going to go higher than uh 12 to 15 you um, don't
0: think the russian factor will play into it
1: very skilled and that and you know what i mean like uh
0: yeah uh
1: i like owen pickering if you're looking for a defenseman uh yeah if
0: you can't get an amateur sec yeah. yeah
1: yeah i like i like owen pickering um you know uh gochier is another good one from the u.s uh development Con- but uh,
0: if- was it connor connor gotier cutter. Like cutter cutter these freaking names with these kids, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god!
1: Hey, my grandson's name is quinton They almost called him Vero, Vero, like the pizza place. Um, <laughs> that's the look I gave. Anyway, oh, okay. <laughs> um, Marco Casper's another center from the uh, Swedish Hockey League. I think though, if he's available, I think I go with uh, uh, Yurov if he's available. Although I think he's going top ten.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I don't know, I, I kind of like I do like you, I like like the Lekamaki, Le- Le- yeah, Lekari Le- Le- Curry- Mackey. Sorry, Lickery, um, but he's also
1: he also could go top 10 too. Let's that, see, that, that's, that's the could. issue.
0: Uh, Connor Geeky would be a one that I would trade up for. That's a you know, big six foot four, 200 pound centerman who can who plays a two way game and. He power forward game,
1: and this is how the draft works. If they're sitting at number 11 and Connor Geeky's name's not called, if I'm Montreal, I'm calling whoever's picking San 12 Jose. San Jose and saying, Hey, San Jose is at 11. I got 33 and 27 here, you know. And or if they know the team that's drafted next isn't looking for a center, right? Because let's be honest, that after 10, you're kind of not best player available anymore. Um you call them up and say, Hey, who are you drafting? Who are you thinking about? You know what I mean? Who, I don't know if they really ask that, but they say, Hey, if we give you these two picks or maybe these two picks in this prospect, will you give us that, that pick? Cause we know exactly who we want to take here and uh, we'll see how, you know, that, and that's how the draft works. That, that's how you move up. You kind of wait till a pick or two before, cause let's be honest almost every team kind of knows where the other teams are looking and you can almost predict how they're going to go. I mean, except Philadelphia when they pick Cam York, but anyway, um, their fans sure love that one. (laughs) um, (laughs) So if you're watching the draft and you see a guy like Connor Geeky or, or Kemmel or someone like that dropping a little bit, that's when you might see Montreal pick up the phone and say, Hey, you know?
0: Yeah. What's
1: yeah, on your mind?
0: I think geeky is definitely in that, that realm of possibilities that they would look at. Uh Mintyukov is another one. Uh yeah. You got, cause he, Hughes talked about skill and skating, but he also mentioned size. So wow. he's not just looking for the, you know, the five ten five eleven guys. He is looking for the six, two, six, one, or more
1: and see it but that makes it difficult because if you're looking for speed a lot of these 6'2 guys are not very good skaters and that's two. where you really got to look at To but with their development league with their new development and analytics they can look at and go all right this guy's 6'2 like say look at uh, mint 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 kujov yeah. um what's he Six-one, i think Six-one. Um, he's a he's a good skater could he be a better skater you're yes. off i think it's five eleven. uh i think he's around that six foot also a good skater but he's a winger uh, so but he's a winger uh yokum camel okay skater could they draft him and make him a better skater
0: well the canadians That's, hired adam nicholas one of the yeah. uh, one of the best skating co- coaches developers in the in the game and he is now the director of development so it's not out of the realm of possibility that right. they could
1: Imagine they had him when they drafted Cottony, because Cottony's biggest issue was skating. Still is, yeah. Still is. But if they had him there when he got there, because when he was injured with his spleen, he yeah. actually hired a skating coach in Finland uh, to help him with the skating. And I, I just, I mean, that ship has sailed, Cottony. He's now kicking ass with the canes, and uh, oh yeah, oh, wait, no. yeah, sure is with with a score lighting up lighting the lamp every. 12th game and uh you know whatever but uh it's hard to say but if you want me to narrow it down to one player i think they should take from 12 i'm going with europe i like europe so that's who i'm going with i
0: I do like geeky at 12 if you're going to trade up for someone yeah him um i don't see geeky there i don't i really don't (laughs) i think i I do and i don't around there He'll be in that 12 to 15 range. If he's
1: there, I would totally agree. Gigi would be the best player from 12 to 15 if he's there.
0: If he's there. Uh, Another name that I would really love to see the Canadians jump on is Miroshneko. Now he's he's the big Russian winger who was touted as a top 10 skill talent, but he's fighting uh, cancer right now over in Germany. So he's going to slide. So do the Canadians, if he slides, to, if you're sitting there at 18 and his name hasn't been called yet, you move up. You try to move up to get that pick.
1: What if you're sitting at 27 and his name hasn't been called yet? Do you draft him?
0: Do you want to wait that long?
1: If he's still sliding.
0: Well, you don't know he's still sliding because, you know, maybe at maybe at 17 they picked him. Maybe at 19 they pick him. The expectation it's, is he's going to get picked around around. Fifteen to twenty. It's
1: just a risky pick because of his health.
0: Exactly. But do you take that risk because he is a guaranteed? Like he was a guaranteed top ten talent in this well, draft.
1: He, he, if I think if he didn't get sick, he could be, could have an argument with him going number one. Could have an argument.
0: Could so, have had, yeah.
1: Could have had an argument
0: depending on how he played. Um, but he was he was putting up similar numbers that Slovsky was putting up. All right, I'm going to go right off the board here.
1: What if you take your 27th pick and your 33rd pick and try to get a top pick for next year's
0: draft? Do you think? Well, how do you know it's a it? top pick next year? You pick the right team. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, if you why would that now, team do
1: it? If Florida drops off, the uh, depends. I, I I get what you're saying, Blaine. I, I'm just it's hypothetical. Hence, why I said I'm going way off the board here. Okay. Play with me. Jesus Christ. People and their back issues and their crankiness. Now, <laughs> um, so Montreal right now is sitting pretty. If Florida drops off next year, they have two top 10 picks. Assuming Montreal finishes in the bottom 10 and Florida really drops off next year, which I don't see happen.
0: It's pretty much a but, safe bet to say Montreal will be in the top 10 picks next year.
1: Yeah, but it's not a safe bet to say Florida will be. I don't think Florida's going to drop off. But for some reason, say... The curse of the Canadians hits and everyone gets injured, Huberto and Bob Roski, and everyone's hurt for 90% of the season and COVID hits and Florida tanks for some reason. The Santos decides that Florida can't have a team next year because they wear too many masks. So they said the word game <laughs> or something. They, they put a gay pride <laughs> pitcher, the Panther on a rainbow, and he got mad about it. Yep. So, uh, um, and they fall off. Montreal doesn't have to trade anything because they that pick's not protected. So that's right. They're sitting pretty. So I mean, it wouldn't be awesome. You're not if...
0: sure about that. So in this draft, you're no. gonna you're gonna take the gamble to mm-hmm. trade off that pick and another mm-hmm. to or get a top. Trade. To get a top pick or, next year,
1: or do you trade this year's first overall pick for a better chance at next year's first overall pick?
0: I mean, theoretically, sure, but I don't see why a team that's supposed to be absolute dog shit next year would make that trade. And that's the only team you would go to with that offer.
1: So well, Arizona would be the only team you'd
0: really go to with that
1: offer. Let's be honest.
0: And why would Arizona do it? Exactly. They, they are rebuilding and they do and, want and the better you, players. But... And you know why I'm bringing
1: this up? Because that's yeah. the shit going around Twitter.
0: I don't think it's plausible.
1: I don't see the other team doing it. Like if I'm, no. if Arizona came to me as Ken Hughes and said, "Hey, uh, I want your first pick. I really want Shane Wright," I'll be like, "Well, I want your first pick next year and this year, and this year. I want your third pick and your first pick next year." And they say yes, I do it in a
0: heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Yeah, because you end I up with two- Slafovski no. or Cooley.
1: Yeah, and now I have two picks, two chances at getting the top uh, the top pick. That's right. So, and if Florida tanks, I got three chances, and we pick one, two, and three.
0: <laughs> and you got to also keep in mind that in a five-year span, you can only win the lottery twice. So, if Montreal
1: wins it next year, that's it; they're done for the next five years. Is it five years after, or is it three more
0: years? It's three more years after that. It's a five-year okay. window.
1: Okay. I mean, I don't think Montreal is going to be bad enough to be low enough to, honestly, like under Martin St. Louis, they were 14, 19, and four with a nine-game losing streak. So Yeah, which,
0: you know, statistically, looking at everything, if you just isolate that time frame, the Canadians are around 20th, which would be the 12th overall pick.
1: Right. So, I can see them injuries... Allen doesn't, Allen has injury issues again next year. They bring back Monty and, uh, and again, nothing against Monty. I just, I just don't think he's a very good goalie, but. Trade um, deadline.
0: You're, you're, you're getting some of your Fords and yeah.
1: Yeah. It, they finished. I say they finished eight, nine, 10. So I say they'll finish around there. I yep. think that's a. Yep. That's a fair much. I think. Pretty much where the Islanders kind of finish this year, I think. Uh, were they higher? I'm trying to think. Anyway, um, no, they
0: were. They were at like fifth. Oh, were they? Okay. Well, anyway,
1: eight, nine, ten, draft around there. If the if the if the draft goes the way it went this year, they're not getting the first overall pick because no one really moved up. I think New Jersey moved up one spot to get the second pick. Two uh, or three spots, actually. Two or three spots to get the second pick, and again, whoever finishes last is going to have that twenty-five and a half percent chance of being able to draft number one 18 and a half to win the draft 25 and a half to keep the pick
0: um but you got three picks in the top 10 you're looking at like a 45 percent chance of getting it
1: of getting at least a top five pick or a top three pick now next year's draft you have that generational talent in bedard that everyone thinks will be a generational talent i i tend to agree with it and then you got that then you got who again He's either elite, or he could be generational himself. Um, he might be so a sixty-goal scorer in the NHL. So I mean, you never know. These next two, this is the perfect timing for
0: Montreal to be a bottom team. It's the perfect timing. And this draft class is not as weak as people no may it's not expect. At all. It, it's, it's not at all. <laughs> there's just no generational talent. You look at the draft as it stands right now. Slovsky first line but potential. Cooley, first-line potential. right? first-line potential. Nemec and Yerasek are both top-pair potentials. I mean, you go down the list uh, in the top 10. In the top 10, I would say all of them are first-line, first-pairing potential.
1: But because it doesn't have generally rational talent, everyone assumes it's a weak draft, and that, that's just wrong. Um, but
0: as Marco D'Amico mentioned in a, uh, an episode a couple episodes back, the real value in this draft, the strength of this draft, is not in that top 10, top 15 that everybody and you know, all like the, it's the, the shiny toy that everyone looks at. The real value is when you're looking at the end of the first to the end of the third. That window of potential players picked the, uh, the potential is higher. so they're, they're not just third line guys and fourth line guys you're looking at guys who can possibly be second line players or third line players.
1: So the way I take that when Marco says that is this draft is so deep that you're picking second and maybe even first line guys in the second round. Well, no, first line. I asked
0: them that. Well, Well,
1: well, you know what I mean? Like you're picking top six or let's say top six second line guys in the second, maybe early third round, because the draft is so deep.
0: Well, once you get to the third, you're looking at, third line guys and, you know, second pairing defensemen that that's the window, like right there where the yeah. Canadians have th- four, three, four picks, four picks. They can pick up a big grouping of, you know, second line, second pairing type players, which honestly, they have a ton of in their system now, which is why I mentioned trading those picks to move up and get, get those, get higher, go up to the 10, 11, 12 get that extra quality
1: yeah, i totally agree i say use you and gordon even though it's Hughes running the draft but gordon's there as well uh he's not afraid to do that he's done it before with new york he's not afraid yeah, to move up
0: when he picked when he picked schneider who's looking really good right now yep yeah.
1: and or and if, even throw one of those picks in when you're trying to get rid of a contract hey we want to get rid of joel armia Here's the 41st pick, forty from 43rd pick, or whatever. You know what I mean? Would you take Armia in this pick to get rid of him without us taking anything back?
0: Thank you very much. Something like that, yeah. if that's what they want to do. And that's the excitement part of the draft that we're going to yeah. see when we get there. Uh, in Montreal, people are going to go nuts when they pick the first pick because they're not trading that away. Then I think within about a half hour we're going to start seeing some big trades and i'm going to jump on your idea of using some of those picks later picks to move contracts what if they decide what if they get a taker for drew throw a pick in there and you do it but you know what do you think uh, they if they got uh, what would they need to get back to get the fans in that building to go nuts
1: for Drewen, I think they'll yeah. go nuts because he's leaving. um Well, I mean, in a good way. <laughs> uh, true. Uh, my thing on Drewen is I think he's going to be more valuable at the trade deadline. So I think you. if you give him a year under Martin St. Louis, we haven't seen what he can do under Martin St. Louis. We haven't seen if Martin St. Louis can get through that labyrinth of Drewen's brain. Um, we know he's a fifty-point scorer, regardless no matter who's coaching him, whether you think he's lazy or not, he averages 50 points a season over an 82 games span. I hate to break the facts to you, but that's the type of player he is. And that's the type of player he was. And that's the type of player he probably always. But could he be a 60, 70 point guy in Martin St. Louis? That's the question. Uh, it's his last year of his contract. I don't think there's a lot of value for him now, uh, but if he's, you know, scoring pretty good under Martin St. Louis, you could get a lot for a trade line, but to trade him at the draft, what do they need to get back to make that Oh Jesus, that's a good question.
0: And you don't need to give me a name, just like a, <laughs> a style or something, you know, like
1: I would say if you're trading Drew in with a draft pick to get something back, you're looking at a top 4 right-handed defenseman.
0: A veteran or a young veteran to replace Peter, I would say
1: yeah, I would say between 26 and 30 uh, with a couple of years, two, three years left on his contract. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a Chick a Chick Sharon or whatever his name, he's a bit younger. He's 23. but
0: He's left-handed um,
1: too. And he's left-handed. But I'm just saying, like a, a type of player like that, that you know is going to play well, uh, and he's going to fill that veteran role because they're really weak. If they get rid of Petrie, they're re- and I wouldn't be surprised if Petrie gets traded at this uh, draft either. Or in but, the days uh, leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, I see something something like that for uh, they'll, they'll 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 almost like the Savard trade when they yeah. fixed a need because they got rid of a top defenseman and picked up Drewin. If they can get rid of him and a pick, like say the 27th pick to get a top four defenseman, you kind of right at the ship, I think, in the minds of Habs fans.
0: All right. And we'll move on from that and we'll finish it off with the free agency talk. So at the top of the show, you you mentioned Bergeron. Not happening. No, (laughs) he flat out said it in his press conference, it's Boston or bust. So he's either retiring or he's going to sign with the Bruins.
1: So I, I, first I'm going to break some myths here because there's some going around. Yeah. Bergeron was never a Montreal Canadiens fan. Although some believe he was because he's French Canadian and he was a diehard Quebec Nordiques fan. If you're a diehard Quebec Nordiques fan, you are not a Montreal Canadiens fan at all. Thank you, Easter Massacre. Um, and if you don't know and, what that and is. And not to
0: mention, he played 18 years with Montreal's most bitter rival. Correct. Uh, and Bergeron already came out and said
1: he's either. Yes, re-signing with the Bruins or retiring—one, that's it.
0: So, as a selkie candidate, I don't think he'll retire. But
1: the way it looked when they left the ice, it's—it's it's closer sure. than what we think. He's not sure. Yeah. Um, so you can take Bergeron right off your free agents again. And even if Bergeron say he said, "Yeah, Montreal's a possibility. I wouldn't mind playing in my home province." Why the only way Montreal would need him is to help Suzuki improve his game uh, with that fetch. And I don't know if Bergeron is that type of player. I don't think he's that. I don't but know. I don't.
0: He's a mentor in that. You know, he'll kind of take a player under their wing, but he's not like that rah rah. He, he's, he's not the Zanotto's Perry type.
1: He's, he's not the Corey no. Perry type guy who's no. gonna put his arm around you on the bench and be like, "Hey, man, yada yada yada," and uh, text you, text you stuff, you know. Even though you're not playing for that team, yeah. Um, so I don't think there's a need for, especially if you're drafting right, and there's a possibility Wright could play for the team next year.
0: And if the goal is will. to, if the goal is to just let things happen organically and hope for a higher pick, you're not going to bring in one of the to, uh, one of the top defensive centermen in the last fifty years, right?
1: Uh, so Bergerman, who's already a no anyway. Uh, would be a no regardless. Would, and I would say the same
0: to Latang. So I put out a tweet a couple days back state uh, you know retweeting someone from the Pittsburgh media stating that Latang and the Penguins aren't close to a deal. And my co- only comment was, yeah, it, they just started st- uh, started talking. Of course they're not close, but it this shows they aren't talking. So don't count on him signing anywhere else, especially Montreal. And people thought I meant, oh, Latang's coming to Montreal. All
1: right. Not every French Canadian. This isn't Toronto. Not everyone who was born in Quebec wants to play for the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm not saying Letang does not want to play for the Montreal Canadiens. I'm sure he would if the Canadians were a um, contender. Oh, for sure. Who wouldn't? But here's two things on Letang. Latang's 37 years old, or will be 37 when next season starts. Um what do you sign him to? He's going to want six and a half to $7 million a year. And why not? At least 7 million a year. But what's the term?
0: Four years? Three
1: years? So if you're looking at four years, you're looking at a 41-year-old player when his term's over. And, uh, And you're looking at a guy who's, is he going to play up to the top of his game for the next three years? He's injury prone to begin with um he has injuries issues in the in, in the past and why would a 37 year old want to play for a rebuilding team so let's look at on Latang's side he has a chance to sign wherever he wants why would he go to montreal a rebuilding team yes he has cups but most people at the end of the career want another cup they want to go out on a high look at ray bork with boston the only reason he went to colorado is because he wanted to win a cup um, well he
0: he spent 20 years without one so yeah. I can see why exactly.
1: Uh, but again, even if like Corey Perry, Corey Perry went to Tampa Bay. Why he wanted to win another cup? He already has one. Yeah. (laughs) So he's going on
0: one two-year deals. He's chasing that. He's chasing that.
1: He's chasing that second cup. Dallas, Montreal. Although I don't think I'm not sure if he thought Montreal would win, get to the final, but he thought Yeah, the Canadians were a
0: dark horse kind of team. And it was late in the uh, free agency and he just took what he can get
1: but uh so i know there i had a little discussion on your thread there with this couple guys who were like oh letang at 7 million is not going to hurt anything uh you know 3 years he can mentor he can develop our young players with his veteran leadership you could get the same guy to do the same thing for half the price if that's what you really want to do
0: just sign what you can someone mentioned this in that same thread and. I have no no problem with this idea. Just sign Weidman. The, I, I, I it's kind of funny.
1: Uh, the one of the guys in the seat that was agreeing with me. That's what he said. I like Weidman. I've been saying all from all along. Sign Weidman. Now the argument was, oh, he can't take Petrie's minutes. It doesn't matter. No. We don't care. We don't care if he can't take Petrie's minutes. We don't want. Uh, we're not looking to compete. I don't want to. Say, they're not tanking, but they're not looking to compete for a playoff spot.
0: And they don't want to put the young players in bad positions. So you can take Correct. a veteran who knows he's going to get lit up all year long to take that money. It's his job. Meanwhile, Justin Barron can sit on that second pairing and not be overused or put out of place. Yeah. That's, and, uh, that's the value of a veteran there.
1: Um, and J- Justin Barron and Jordan Harris are probably going to be on the team next year. So Uh, so you can see Justin Barron's going to have his minutes start a little low and they're probably going to rise and go, Justin Barron played 19 minutes for five games. Anyway, he played 19 minutes a game. So it's not like he wasn't getting any minutes and it's not like Martin St. Louis didn't trust him or anything like that. And he played well. I thought he played well. He made mistakes. Of course he did. All, all young players are going to make mistakes, just like veterans are going to make mistakes. But however, when a young player does it, you can forgive it because you're like, oh, he's still learning the game. Uh, A guy like Wyvern doesn't matter. doesn't matter if he makes mistakes or not because he's there to take the pressure off the young guys. Yeah, And uh, it's like you, exactly. You said, you're not going to put a Barron or a Harris or a ghoulie. If he gets time up there or Jack eye or who shoot in, you have shoot in. That's going to come in who can play the right side. If he wants, um, you know, you have those guys and shoot is another guy that you can throw out there and you don't really care if he's, if he gets lit up or not, because Say Louis I trust and I don't see Schooneman in their long-term plans, especially with all the left-handed no. guys like Norlander and Gooley and Jack Eye and Harris and Struble and all but these left-handed guys year. coming through. But for, for next year, next year, why not? Because again, they're not looking to make the playoffs. No. They want to be competitive. Don't get me wrong. They, they want to win games. And no coach or GM is going to come out and say, well, we really want to suck this year. Um, they're going to come and say, oh, well, we're always going to be playoffs is our goal yeah but not if you really think about it i don't think playoffs is our goal
0: so no this this coming season their goal is to provide competitive hockey every night they know they're going to lose a lot of games but they don't want to be losing seven one to the new jersey devils every night you know that right That's what was going on under Ducharme. They were getting completely destroyed. Stanley, we came in, and then the rest of the season, the Canadians kept pretty much every game really close. And if they did fall four goals down, they found a way to score four back, then give up four more. But still, they found ways to make the games entertaining and competitive.
1: Well, it's like I always said, the first half of the season, as soon as they were down 2-0 or 3-1, I turned the oh, game off because yeah. I, I I didn't even bother watching the rest of the game. Under Martin St. Louis, I was like, oh, they're down 3-1. And I go, uh, oh, wait, they might come back. You know what I mean? This this still could be an exciting game. And that's all you can hope for for next year.
0: Yep. Now, uh, on, on a final note, uh, I just want to acknowledge sportsnet's apologies for interrupting their gambling commercials with hockey <laughs> now sp- this is clearly a, a beaver article yeah sportnet this uh, toronto has uh, toronto sportsnet has issued an apology to its viewers after several minutes of a hockey game or broadcast without a single reference to gambling now it's tongue-in-cheek sarcastic but it brings up a really valid point that our friend uh matt bedard scotian canadian brought up in his farewell uh from his youtube channel and that's the gambling aspect that they're really pushing and it's disgustingly bad every single commercial uh you know at some point i think the coaches are going to be coming out wearing bet99.com on their jackets or they're just gonna, you know, pre-game skate with the fake jerseys, you know, like the the collectible jerseys. It'll just be, I don't know, some gambling website.
1: Listen, I uh, I understand exactly what Matt Bedard and I kind of agree with him. I'm not, I'm not, I don't gamble. I'm not a big into gambling. I really don't care one way. Or
0: the but other, those people but... who've been impacted by it, I completely understand the point yeah. because it it's it destroys entire families for generations because all the money's gone. Yeah.
1: And uh, like, I know uh, when VLTs first came out, a friend of my sister's, uh, a military guy, actually, his wife used to had a baby, got the bottles all set up and everything. She would sit at that corner store when they were in corner stores and play it all day. With yep. The baby there feeding the baby while she's playing. And then he would come home from work. They would have supper. Then he would go that night and play the VLT all night. That That's entire paychecks. That's that that's that's your life gone. Um, and uh, I can't speak because I never I barely played any if I go to a casino I throw a couple bucks on the blackjack and if I lose I walk out if I don't then I cash out at a 100 buck or whatever um, but uh, except at one time I was drunk in Madeira anyway um, but I, I think it's too much sure I get it every all these sports are into gambling now you can bet How many strides Ovection's going to take in one shift and if you're right you win a thousand bucks but it's getting too much. It's too much. Like uh, we get it. Gambling's out there. We get it. NHL's into gambling. And you have to wonder how does this affect the outcome of the game? How does this affect the refereeing? How does it affect the way the league looks at things and who the league... It kind of puts that conspiracy theory doubt in your mind that because of this betting, because it's A lot of this is the league pushing games. Is the league, the leagues have favorites. Does the league, you know, if say the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're making more money off betting with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Do they get special treatment or the Tampa Bay lightning or New York Rangers? You know what I mean? Like,
0: and it goes back to what I've been saying for the last few years, you got gambling in the game. You need to, Really prove that you are trying to keep the games fair, and official, the officials are doing it right, like the NFL. They keep them. Uh, they keep the officials accountable. That's a huge yeah. difference from the NHL right now.
1: Well, the well According to Batman, the NHL has the best refereeing in the entire world. Yeah, well,
0: uh, Batman. We also. Idiot.
1: We also seen Bettman's reaction to Montreal winning the first overall pick. So,
0: oh, Montreal, uh, mm. good for them.
1: Yeah, so you yeah. know he wanted Arizona to win it, but uh, of course, don't be shocked. They can't have
0: a logo wrong. at Center Ice. The least they could have done was win, <laughs> win don't a Don't be of shocked.
1: Them. Don't be shocked if Connor Bedard's an Arizona Coyote next year. Um, Connor Bedard
0: just said, just declared himself not joining the NHL. I'll play <laughs> <laughs> in Europe. Um, <laughs> But
1: uh, anyway, yeah, but I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't care that there's gambling in sports. I really don't. But uh, to push it the way they're pushing it, it's almost like they're shoving it down everyone's throat, and it's just too much. Like every commercial, even Sportsnet now has a little thing where Cabbie sits down with a guy and talks about who we should bet on and what we should bet on. That's terrible. That that that's not that shouldn't be that shouldn't be there. You want to see that? Then you should have to look it up. You shouldn't, shouldn't be just thrown at you.
0: And there's some great sites out there that do that kind of thing yeah. for fantasy leagues and for, for pro line stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Um, leagues got to do better and the league can't be, it's, it's so bad that not only people down in the States who don't even watch hockey have been commenting on it.
1: No, it, it, It's really bad. It, it and, and, Again, I'm not saying take gambling out of the sport or don't have game, but don't don't drive it down people's throats like one or two commercials a game fine but you have a commercial every commercial break, there's one or two commercials every commercial break about gambling.
0: Yeah, there's three commercials, two of them are gambling and the other ones. Beer.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, I fortunately for me. Once the period's over, I don't watch any intermission crap. So uh, because Sportsnet in, uh, is terrible, but uh,
0: <laughs> they just talk um, about the Leafs anyway, even if the Leafs aren't playing. Like uh, the second round last night when it started, before t- they're oh, let's preview the second round. Now about the Leafs, blah blah blah, Leafs, 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 second round, Leafs, Leafs. Those are those are two things that have not met: Leafs and second round. Speaking of the least, Martyr and Matthews are going to be in a movie. Oh, it's called "Don't Don't Do It." Don't do it's it. Called,
1: where it's called "Dude, Where's My Car?" Too. Oh,
0: you did it. I did it. Yeah. All right, and on that note, do you have any final thoughts?
1: liftoffapparel.ca is one of our sponsors go there and if you put in unfiltered you get 20% off uh other than that I'll be taking the next couple weeks off I'll be on my ILP course in Montreal so Blaine you'll be on your own Hopefully, you get some good guests and then I'm moving to Ottawa so I will be an Ontario citizen
0: upper Canadian
1: yeah I'm gonna have to start being arrogant more arrogant than what I am now is that possible Well, I'm not in Toronto, so I don't know how it is in Ottawa, but. uh, Let's say tier two arrogance. Yeah, so I'm going to have to be a little bit more. I'm from Ontario, center of the universe.
0: Let's go play uh, some tennis, Muffy. Oh, Oh, yeah.
1: Hmm. I think I'll go to Radio Hall and meet all my friends.
0: If you start wearing an ascot, I'm going to slap you. Yeah, done. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and for me.
1: other stuff, paper towel in my shirt.
0: <laughs> yeah. And for me, I want to, uh, for my final thoughts, I want to mention seatgiant.ca. Uh, use unfiltered 20, save 35% on any fees for tickets to concerts, sporting events, anything. And um, I want to remind people that we're going to be having a, a gathering at McLean's Pub post draft. So the Saturday after the draft on the 9th, we're going to be there. So far, we have about 100 people that are going to be coming, hanging out at McLean's. We might even record a show in location, but we're there to have fun and talk, talk draft. So if you want to meet us and you're in the Montreal area on that day, come on by. And uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening, putting up with me and my, uh, my, crippled, uh, my crippled back and my ornery nature. It'll get better.
1: Not the ornery nature.
0: No, no, God, no.
1: You're a chief now. You got to be. Oh.
0: That's, true. That's true. Well, not now, but you will be. Cr- I got to be crusty. I be crusty. <laughs> Back, Back in I my day. To... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank you guys for interacting with us. And uh, remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. <laughs>